Welcome to Crab Takes Football. This is what the Baltimore Sports Report does. I'm TK, joined by Andrew Holly here on Victory Tuesday. Holly, how we doing, man? I'm unreal, man. I am freaking unreal, just like that game last night. I mean, I don't know what to say. The first three quarters sucked, and then that last quarter and a drive were pretty freaking phenomenal. I mean, wow. Unreal, man. Freaking unreal. Unbelievable stuff from our Ravens. As bad as they looked at times and as 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 close as we were to turning the game off and just getting an early night of sleep, uh, we had to hang in there. They they found it somewhere within themselves to get a few key stops and of course uh, the offense went off in the second half especially that first that fourth quarter Lamar Jackson record setting night on Monday night football as he seems to do when the lights are shining uh, Ravens beat the Indianapolis Colts 31 to 25 in overtime very confusing game a lot to talk about so we are going to Give out a game ball. I think it's fairly obvious who gets the game ball, but we're gonna we're gonna pick two other guys. Uh, we'll talk about our pop of the week and a returning segment for the first time in almost two seasons. We're gonna go inside the bank. And for any wow. listeners who may not have listened back in our in our previous seasons, inside the bank is our look at the look, feel, the energy, the sound of M&T Bank Stadium during the game, at the game, by our good friend Mike, who has uh, season tickets and was at the game last night. So, let's jump right into it. What what an unbelievable comeback. I, I mean, I really, you know, just staring at my TV in shock at... at how that game unfolded from from start to finish. I mean, it was such a crazy roller coaster. At the beginning, I was shocked the, about how bad the Ravens looked, and at the end, I was shocked because I couldn't believe they came all the way back. I mean, what were your thoughts, feelings going through that roller coaster of a game? Well, it, it, exactly what you said. Basically, I mean, the the just a slog of a game for the first, you know, two and a half quarters. And you're just going, oh, here we go again. Why can't we get this right? Man, we've got problems. And all oh, the defense is getting embarrassed by Carson Wentz. And, oh, what's going on? And then suddenly it's like the light just clicked. And not that it hadn't clicked. I mean, let's be real, because, I mean, as well as the team played, at least let me put it let me put it this way: Lamar, I don't think it had a terrible game up until that middle of the third quarter. Now, obviously, the fumble at the goal line sucked, but mm-hmm. outside of that, I think you know, obviously throwing the ball, he was still having a pretty nice night. But yeah. holy guacamole, they go off! I mean, my biggest, the biggest thing that I took away from it was. Is this really the Ravens' offense? You know, I mean that. I mean, yeah. And obviously, you know, I I have all the respect in the world for Lamar's arm. I I've been annoyed with the lack of respect. However, I did not expect him 
to have the best completion percentage of any quarterback to have thrown for 400 yards in NFL history. You know, I mean, the fact that he went 37 of 43, 442 yards, four touchdowns, two two-point conversions. And then he, and then, oh yeah, he ran for 62 yards and maybe should have had a touchdown. Holy crap. I mean, those are video game numbers that you like. Those are legitimately Madden video game numbers. And that was real life last night. Yeah. And we, we said it after the Chiefs game. I think it was, you know, as long as you have eight, you have a chance. And, you know, I think I got to keep sticking by that because I, I was pretty down after uh, the punt fest and, you know, how the defense was looking. But again, as long as you have eight on your team, you got a shot. And, and Hollywood Brown uh, echo, echoed that in his post game interview yesterday. The start of the game, I was trying to figure out, like, why it felt so familiar. Like, like, why does well, you know, why do I recognize this game? And I realized that it is the exact game script of like a noon kickoff, uh, like Nebraska at Purdue, like an ugly Big Ten game. Yeah, yeah. Because if you look at these drives, punt, touchdown on a screen, like the most Big Ten way to score a touchdown, a screen pass, uh, punt, fumble, punt, 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 punt. Field goal, field goal, end of half. That is the most Big Ten thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it was just, like, so ugly. But I was like, all right, well, you know, that's just that's just how things go uh, in, in the Big Ten. And I was like, man, like, it, it was just so bad because what if the, the Ravens had three straight three and outs? Is that right? And then they had one first down and then punted. And then you don't—they didn't really didn't get much going at all until that field no. goal drive before the end of the half, and you know that maybe that should have been a touchdown too because one of one of the few mistakes that Lamar made was on that drive he he missed uh, Hollywood in the end zone, but man, oh, that's like right, you know that is um, it's it's starting maybe to become a pattern uh, these past couple few weeks is the Ravens offense starting slow is I mean is that fair I mean against the Broncos I think it is one quarter. I think it's you know I think some of it is people don't really know how to defend the Ravens right now and I think the Ravens are happy to try to be the run team and do their thing but we're quickly seeing them adjust because I think I think it might have been Hollywood who who mentioned that in, in one of the post game interviews I was watching that you know he was giving a lot of credit to Greg Roman because he changed up the whole game plan to do different things based off what their defense had come out and and done to our offense, mm-hmm. which is obvious based off. You know, obviously the performance, you, you got to give Greg Roman some some kudos. But the point of that is, you know, I wonder how much his focus was to try to, you know, run the ball a whole lot more. They shut that down 
And that's why we just lit it up with Lamar, you know, and I think we're going to be seeing more and more of that as the season goes. Now, certainly it may go the other way at some point where we're going to have to revert to running the football. Now, I don't think that will go well for us, quite frankly, as we've talked about. But, um, you know, having that threat now of Lamar being able to just throw darts all around the field and have adequate receivers who have been coached up properly to find the open space and beat NFL caliber defenses. I mean, I mean, that, that I think is the biggest takeaway so far from the first five games is how much better the wide receiver play is because it's not just Hollywood. I mean, obviously Hollywood has been fantastic. Watkins has been good. Prochet and DuVernay have both been really good. And while you have to credit the players, a lot of that has to go to Keith Williams and uh, uh, T. Martin. I mean, they've done a heck of a job. Yeah, absolutely. The skill guys have been have been awesome, and and they're like we talked about it last week. They're just so open, like they're getting yeah. so wide open that like yeah, of course Lamar's going to make these throws. Like they have been able to beat these corners, and I know the Colts were down to some serious serious deep depth. Uh, at the end of that game with practice squad guys with their corners going down, they're missing Rakiusin the whole game. Yeah, I get it. But this is not the only game in which our wide receivers no. have just been running free. And, you know, part of it, you know, is it, I don't know, is it like a improved passing concept? Like maybe, but like you said, it is this different style of coaching that, that T Martin and Keith Williams have brought to the table that have seemingly like really unlocked the next level for Hollywood and it has brought two more guys to the table that are, that are getting targeted on third downs. Again, you have Devin DuVernay and James Prochet really contributing in key spots. And that is what is important to me. Lamar spread the ball around to nine different receivers. And of course they had the two big ones, Mark Andrews and, and Hollywood, but you know, the willingness to take the check down to Devontae Freeman you know, finding James Prochet on a third down, um, DuVernay on a third down and, and to convert, being able to spread the ball around, I think, is one of the really, really top qualities of, of elite quarterbacks. You know, you always talk about, like, does he make his receivers better? Well, the receivers are good and they're getting open, but like he's getting them the ball in positions in which they can run after the catch. They mm -hmm. can, you know, they can they can convert that first down on, on third and long, third and medium. So that that in Marquise Brown's case, he can run under the ball. He chucked 40 yards or whatever downfield. Yeah, right. So he's he's putting the putting his guys in positions to go out and do their job and make plays. And to their credit, they are doing exactly that. No doubt, man. And it, it is so refreshing to see. It's just. Yeah. It's just refreshing. And, and, and I don't say this lightly. We're with purple colored glasses, but you're going to have to start talking about Lamar Jackson, Mark Andrews, and Marquise Brown, just like you talk about Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and Mahomes. I mean, because it's going to become that pretty quickly. And, uh, God, getting Bateman, I mean, it's going to be cooking with gas soon on this offense, man, throwing the football. Yeah, I mean – 
it, it's it's nuts. I mean, Andrews 147 yards on 11 catches. Uh, Hollywood 125 yards on nine catches, both with two touchdowns. But then you still have four catches by Duvernay, three catches by uh, Freeman, two catches by Watkins, who's unfortunately got hurt during the game, but he's been a nice addition. And let's not forget, Rashad Bateman's coming back soon. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I mean, but, but, gets even I mean, better. just look at this, though, man. Thir- you know, he threw the ball 13 times to Mark Andrews. He threw the ball 10 times to Marquise Brown. How many times, and this even goes back to Joe Flacco, how many times did we see games where 23 passes were all we saw all game? Yeah. All we do is run the ball. That's all right. the Ravens will do. Right. So it's amazing to me, to me that that not only did did Lamar have the game he he had and all that stuff, but there were that many twenty three targets to our two mm-hmm. top guys between the two of them. That's like and four incompletions combined. Yeah, and four incompletions among those is out of control. I mean, well, I don't know that it's out of control, but it's 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 awesome. And it's 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 called an NFL caliber passing game, which the Ravens have never had. Bottom line. Yeah, I mean, for I, sure. except That's... for that stretch in 2012, mm-hmm. where Flacco went off, you know, on the playoff run. You know, the Ravens have truly never had a what I would really call an NFL caliber passing offense. And I'm probably yeah, like top flight. Yeah. Yeah. Top flight. I mean, I shouldn't say that they're there. I'm, I'm, I'm disrespecting Joe Flacco with that, but, um, but yeah, as far as top flight, as far as like almost getting the point now where we, we may have to start expecting 300 yard games from Lamar. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's, especially when you consider how much he's throwing deep. And the success we're having throwing deep, um, you know, those those kind of games are going to tick up. You know, certainly we're going to see some of the rushing yards probably tick down. But you know what? I would rather see him throw for 4,000 yards than run for 1,000. Yeah, so maybe let's let's talk about the running game a little bit. The Ravens fall short setting that record. Um, I think they finished with, let's see, let me just check, 70, 86 yards, including overtime. So 14 yards short of the record. That's a shame. Uh, it would have been nice, I guess. Um, it's a shame, but at this point, you know what, I as I sort of hinted to last week, I mean, <clears throat> that identity for this team is is over you know, at least for this season, because we just don't have the personnel to be that, that kind of a team, you know, and not that a hundred yards really, I mean, it, to me, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed. We didn't run for a hundred yards just because it's, that's pretty weak in my opinion, if you can't run for a hundred yards as an offense. Um, but <clears throat> which rarely happens, I think anyway, for the Ravens, but outside of this streak, you know, but I just, I, it's just not the way the Ravens are built this year. They're just not a power running team as much as we want to be that when, when you look at the offensive line, when you look at the running back room, I mean, this is going to have to be a passing offense to to sustain any kind of success 
and you know it's just it's just the way it is yeah i i am a little bit interested to see how things evolve um around ronnie stanley i mean we seemed a little i i was a little pessimistic about his return this year but just the fact that he's not hasn't gone on ir at all um is kind of confusing to me i can't really figure out why not because at this point he's been out for more than three games they might have might as well have just done that to you know give them some some roster flexibility but i don't know i can't figure out if that means he's close to a return um and and we just don't know it yet we're getting we're gonna get nick boyle back who of course bolsters the running game um up how, front, though, how like, any idea when boyle's coming back is i haven't seen anything about him for a little while i honestly don't i'm not even sure that he's practiced yet yeah um you know, he's he's been around the facility and and, and that kind of stuff but i don't think i don't think he's practiced yet so maybe like a post buy kind of deal he'll, he'll be yeah. back and but you know it, it, he is expected <clears throat> back at some point this year and i think he does you know change the offense a little bit but you know it, it's it's going to be interesting to see because like you said i mean how do defenses react to this now? You know, this is two straight games where, I mean, even, even the Lions game, there were a ton of, ton of stats left on, on the field by drops. That's three straight games. Plus the chiefs game. He was pretty good where he has been deadly throwing the ball. What do defenses do now? Cause they've been stacking the box. They've been keeping mm-hmm. a spy on Lamar, like not letting him escape, uh, sitting in some zone. He's been picking apart zone. Uh, our, our receivers are now capable of beating man, and we're getting Rashad Bateman back, who is, at, you know, at least in college, a, a fantastic man beater. Um, what do defenses do now? Like, I mean, do they, you know, next couple of weeks just like see if Lamar can keep this up, and you know, commit to that same kind of style in which it, they? Like, I think you it's going to have to be that. I mean, because everyone kept, you, you think about after the Lions game, everybody was apparently calling their defensive coordinator going, oh, I'll just stop the Ravens, which to me is a joke because, again, the the whole big thing about stopping the Ravens is when we had a successful running game, which, quite frankly, we haven't had all season. Um, so, it, you know, I, to me, it was about the drops than anything, you know, in Detroit, but with that said, you know, I, it's going to have to be a keep proving it situation for Lamar. I mean, he's going to have to keep, you know, dicing people up to continue to get that respect. I don't think, even though he had a game pretty much for the ages throwing the ball, I mean, it, there may never be a better game for, let's, let's be real. I mean, it's, he had 442 yards, four touchdowns, and only missed three passes or three completions out of 43 or six completions out of 43. That's ridiculous. I mean, there that's one of the best passing performances ever in the history of the NFL, bar none, if not the best. I mean, there may I know there have been some. Well, I shouldn't say that there have been 500 yard performances and everything else, but no, you know, no interceptions, everything else. It's certainly up there. So they've got to give him respect, but it's it's not going to be there yet. As great as that game was, it's just there. He's going to have to keep proving it. We're probably going to have to see 
a, a couple more 300 yard games, maybe over the next few weeks. I mean, and, and we'll get it towards when we talk about next week's game. The reality is we don't beat the chargers unless Lamar throws for, you know, 300 plus yards because that game is going to be a shootout. It is. Gonna need and, to be and, um, yeah, the Chargers did struggle a little bit stopping the run against the Browns, but I think the Browns' run game looks a little bit different than ours right now. Um, much more explosive just with their bit. backs. Just yeah. a bit. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, we'll see how much they commit. I, I wonder if they'll try to do the same thing they did uh, in the playoff game a few years ago where they just have a bunch of speed out on the field and, and see if they can hang. Um but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. Um, Mark Andrews, my guy, shows up big time in a big game when he was very, very much needed. Um, you know, the two big touchdown catches, uh, the 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 two point conversions. I mean, he was exactly as advertised when he signed that deal. Um, you know, he did it. Blo- he's been doing it blocking. He finally gets in the end zone this week. And um, we needed every little bit of that uh, to pull out the win. Yeah, man, no doubt. He was mo- he was a monster, just a monster all game. It was great to see. I mean, I know we've given him a little bit of criticism at different points this season. So it was great to see him have a monster game and finally start to hopefully get some of the respect he deserves as, as one of the top tight ends in the league. He's usually forgotten in that conversation. So it's mm-hmm. time for him to start getting a little bit more respect, I think, on his name, along with Hollywood, man. And I'm I'm the first one that has gone out and, and given Hollywood a lot of flack for various things, especially last year. But he has been on point. I mean, talk about a guy that that is number one receiver at this point. I mean, nine catches for 125 yards and two touchdowns. I mean... That's that's number one wide receiver territory. Um, so I, if he keeps this up, I mean he's very very well going to have the best season of a wide receiver in Ravens history. I would think. I mean that's not going to be. I, I would imagine it's not going to be that hard to beat. You know, as far as best yardage seasons for a wide receiver in Ravens history, um, and. Let's face it, touchdowns too. I mean, at this point, he may end up with several touchdowns more than the the best season of a Ravens wide receiver. You know what? While while we talk about some other things, I'm gonna try to look that up. Yeah, go for it. Um, let's see. I mean, I I don't, really don't have much more to add on the offense. I mean, slow start and obviously a a huge huge finish. Um, the coin flip going the Ravens way and then they pan over to Lamar and you see him mouthing it's over uh you know that's that kind of swagger that I like out of Lamar you know he it just seemed like a little flat in the first half and then you know once once we get to that fourth second half fourth quarter you start bouncing around a little bit more and you could see him really settle in you know get into like the pace of the game, but then make it his own pace, you know, going quickly, being decisive, um, you know, being lethal in that decisiveness is is what we've talked about so many times over the past few years. Like you can just kind of see in his body language, the way that he drops back, the the conviction with which he throws the ball. 
um, you know, when now it's you know, pushing the ball downfield, you know, and and not to be overlooked is his willingness to check it down. You know, several nice little checkdowns to to Devontae Freeman, who, you know, kind of surprised me a little bit yesterday. Showed a lot more wiggle than I anticipated. Uh, you know, it had some nice runs after the catch yesterday and, and of course the ball security was was huge uh in a in a comeback effort so well done by freeman um there's continues to be a little bit weird uh running back use in my opinion but um yeah i mean when lamar said it's over you know it's like all right i believe i'm you know we'll, we'll be in bed soon and uh you know that yeah, that no doubt man that drive in overtime was you know a clinic i mean that's exactly how you draw it up yep Absolutely. Thing of beauty. Yeah. Did you find the stats you were looking for? I did. So, so, you know, as far as receptions per season, um, it's 103. That's, that's Derek our, Mason. our good friend, Derek Mason. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah. Um, now, now I, I'm, I'm not surprised by the yardage. I, I had a feeling the yardage was going to be this player, but I did not realize how many touchdowns they scored. They really had a freaking fantastic season. Do you know who I'm talking about? Is this Bolden? No. No. Tory Smith? 1996, Michael Jackson oh, man. in the Ravens' inaugural season had 1,201 receiving yards and what? 14 touchdowns. Uh, <laughs> oh, my and, God. He and Testaverde were freaking unbelievable that year. I mean, I, I really yeah. do recall that. I mean, they were fun to watch. I mean, because we had Michael Jackson and Derek Alexander, and then Jermaine Lewis was a rookie that year. Mm-hmm. And the three of those guys, man, I mean, it was awful because that's the only, I mean, there was no running game. You know, they, they could block a little bit. So Testaverde would have time to throw, but he'd throw picks occasionally. And it was generally an awful team. But man, they could get in some shootouts, and it was fun to watch, man. Michael Jackson had a fantastic year that year, and so did Derek Alexander. He ended up leaving and going to the Chiefs. Um, but I think, if I recall correctly, Derek Alexander might have even had 1,000 yards that year, and he did. Well, no, I'm, excuse me. He had 1,000 yards in 97. And, yeah, so in 96, he had just under 1,100 yards and nine touchdowns. Wow. Derek Alexander. I mean, look at that passing game. That was the best passing game we've ever had. I mean, Vinny and those those two guys, I mean, that was sick, what they were able to do through the air. Um, truly. I mean, they they were awesome. So uh, this, this season will surely be um, a test of those numbers, I think, for sure. Is that the only time that we compare Vinny Testaverde to Lamar Jackson? Yes. I think that's the yep, only thing. And, and you know what? It's a somewhat <laughs> fair comparison. I mean, Vinny was really good that season. He was like a pro yeah. bowler. He was solid. I, I remember yeah. seeing him a lot. He was he was one of those guys that just kind of stuck around for a long oh, time after I mean, he was he done left, with his starting days. Absolutely. I mean, he left the, the Ravens, went to the Jets, and had a couple mm-hmm. pro bowl seasons with the Jets, and then just sort of like, he was going to be a backup for the Cowboys for a while. And kind of Parcells liked him. He kind of fell in yeah. love with, or Parcells fell in love with him and kept him around for a bit. Um, but yeah, I'll never forget all the stuff about him being colorblind. And, and do you remember that whole? Thing? No. So no. Vinny Testaverde is colorblind, and at least when he was with the Browns before they moved to Baltimore, 
a lot of the flack against him when we would throw picks was that he couldn't tell what what jersey the players <laughs> were in because he was colorblind. I don't know how real that was as a criticism. Um, I mean, because you're also looking at usually dark and white jerseys. You know, they're usually yeah. they're not that close. But um, anyway, I, I always found that to be kind of funny when they talked about yeah. that. Anyhow. Yeah. That for now. That, yeah, that reminds me of Jameis Winston getting LASIK. <laughs> they said he couldn't see the linebackers. <laughs> and that's why he threw <laughs> <so many> picks. <laughs> oh, man. So good. Anyway. anyway yeah. let's, do we want to talk about lucky. the defense? I mean, do we really want to talk about the defense? I, mean, uh, I think we have to. I mean, that was... <laughs> we do. What we a, do. There were enough. There were enough at least decent performances. We got to give props to my man. Outside of the dumbass penalty at the end of the game, Tavon Young played his ass off last night. He did. Uh, that penalty was so dumb. It was, you know, Jack Doyle likely should be fined for pushing Absolutely. his head into the dirt. And I understand it's a high stakes, emotional game, and you know you don't want that done to you. But uh, I don't think you know, like you just can't respond you just can't like do that. that. You just can't uh, do and that. Doyle, at that point, never in the game. But like at that, that point in the game, I mean, he's lucky yeah. he didn't lose because of that. Yeah, I mean, if they hit that field goal, you know, that's it. Like, yeah. You know, you make that you make that crazy comeback, and then you get a unnecessary roughness, and then you lose on a last second field goal. That feels a lot worse <laughs> than winning yeah. in overtime. And especially I mean, in that manner. Cool. And we, we had him backed up at first and third. I mean, I mean was that it, like a holding penalty like right before. Some of those games against the Patriots when, you know, Suggs mm-hmm. would get a penalty and, you know, some of those Rex Ryan, you know, yeah. defenses that would sort of pop off at times would, would kind of yeah. pop off and it would just be a nightmare. That's what it felt like. I was real glad when it didn't didn't end that way. Yeah, yeah, that would have truly been a shame. But but other than that, you know, like outside of that, he was awesome. Yeah, outside you know, of tackles that, for loss, oh. stack, pass broken Peace. up. You know, he he was the guy that we expected him to be. Um, and and you know he was all over the field, used in several different different roles. You know, they showed that uh, that graphic of speaking of different roles, they showed that graphic of Chuck Clark. And all the different places he's lined up and, you know, very, very versatile guy. Another extremely versatile guy is Odafe Owe, who had another forced fumble. You know, he just finds a way to show up every week. He makes a big play every week. You know, he forces the other offense to do something dumb. And and he like he's just always at the heart of it. And, And he has been so, so good so far. He really has, man. I mean, it. Look at that. He's already got three sacks and two forced fumbles. You know, if you kind of go, okay, I think we didn't have anything to worry about with his zero sacks, you know, his senior season in college. Um, But, yeah, he is is a freaking beast. And, you know, Tavon Young, we're finally seeing, you know, the guy we signed that contract to. Um, You know, he's, he's finally back to being the Tavon Young that we had uh, before he got hurt, I think, initially. Because he, he he really dominated. And that's the kind of player we, we get flashes of. 
prior to him getting hurt. I don't think we've seen that since, really. So it was mm-hmm. really fun to see that. Um, of course, the other guy we have to talk about is Calais Campbell. I mean, just oh, yeah. at the end of the game. Talked to, you know, I, I made a point of talking about closers a few seasons ago. Well, that this guy closed the game out for us on defense, just wrecking the uh, the any any kind of protection for the quarterback or the running back, just blowing up the offensive line, and of course his monster field goal block. Yeah, that's his eighth blocked field goal of his career, which is absolutely insane. Like it's insane, but it's also crazy. I'm not surprised by that. As big as he is, man, and his length, I mean, yeah. I he is he's like just made for that role. Yeah, absolutely. And and like he he has been so good these past several weeks, you know, just constantly in the backfield, especially on big plays. I mean, the defensive line got pushed around quite a bit. Uh, by a you know banged up Colts offensive line, which is honestly pretty disappointing. But w- when it mattered late in the game, they got their stops. You know they got you know lucky with the hurt hurt kicker, maybe missing a field goal, the block field goal, of course. Um, but you know Campbell has been a stalwart up front. You know other other guys maybe not bad, but this defensive line cannot get Derek Wolf back fast enough. I mean, I, I hope no. that he's able to come back soon because he's going to be what they need. Um, you know, that grit and that toughness and the and the smarts um, setting the edge. Uh, they just need him back so bad because there were so many times in which and, and this is compounded by issues of the inside linebacker spot. But so many times in which like there were just massive lanes. Uh, you just, yeah, like that Colts offensive line was was giving it to him all night. Um, you know, the Colts actually were the team that finished with over 100 yards rushing. And, um, yeah, just not not that defensive line's best effort, but they did make the plays when they needed to. I, I referred to the linebackers uh, pretty disappointed in, in Patrick Queen's performance. Uh, the other inside linebackers, not much better. Um, you know, Harrison and Board, um, and, and they're just struggling to – get their angles right, get their run fits right, uh, wrapping up or and just gang wrap tackling. Up. I mean, yeah. honestly, or, that's the biggest know. thing is wrapping up. I, yeah. you know, I, I don't know if it's the, the emphasis that the team has started to place on trying to punch the ball out and all that stuff, which is all fun and dandy, but you've got to wrap the guy up. You know, there are only certain players that I will give a pass to for, doing that stuff you know the obviously Marlon Humphreys of the world Marcus Peters maybe Adafi Owe just because he's obviously proving to have that punch um in his short time in the NFL but you know some of these guys need to just wrap the f up and finish the play I mean I'll one and and I know some of this is just momentum and everything else I think the biggest play that ticked me off last night and and again it wasn't i mean pernell mcphee didn't do this on purpose or anything but he there was a a play where taylor got the first down pretty sure it was taylor Mm -hmm. and we pushed him over the line right right i know exactly it was the third and short 
and they run and, and seem to have him stop. Stopped, yeah. And our own guys rolled him forward. Yeah. And it's, it, I don't know if it's an awareness thing, you know, or if that's just, look, if, if that just is what it is, you know, obviously I've never been in the trenches, so the, that could just be momentum and it is what it is. But to me, it would seem like there should be more in a, of an awareness of where the line is, where the wall should be, so you're not rolling some guy over the line, you know? Um, it just seems, that seems obvious. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm being a little too nitpicky with that. Well, yeah, I, I'm not sure about that particular one, but, but the defensive line in general really got worked by, by backup offensive linemen by the Colts. The linebacker is not great. The secondary, not great. I think Anthony Averett had kind of a tough night, uh, gave up some third and longs, the fourth and long. He had the pass interference, which I think was a bad call, but not to the standard at which, you know, we had grown accustomed to through the fourth, first four weeks here. Um, yeah, just one of those nights. Marlon Humphrey's banged up. And it's, it's, something's wrong. Um, yeah, he doesn't and, seem whether, to be playing. playing he's not playing like for sure. He's not playing like Marlon Humphrey. Um, no. You know, he's. You know, whether it's still that groin that's bothering him, I think he was even a different injury occurred during the game. Um, yeah, I think something so, happened to his shoulder during that. Yeah, we were both texting each other during that one point, and they cut to him, you know, and kind of looked at him and was sort of shaken up a little bit. And yeah. I, I think he, I think he dinged up his shoulder or his arm somewhere. I think it was his right, right shoulder. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Think so too. So yeah, I agree with you. He just, you know, the way that guys seem to be look, and everybody has bad seasons. So it could just be he's just had a slug of a start to the season, I guess. But I would agree with you. He does not look he does not look right. Something looks off. Um guys don't drag Marlon Humphrey twenty yards down the field. You know, and that's yeah. what we're seeing right now. Yeah, and of course, like guys are gonna get their catches and things like that. But sure, stuff you know, happens, just doesn't. But it, right, it doesn't seem. Yeah, uh, it just, just seems a little of, bit off to me. Yeah. Yeah, agree. Um, that being said, I am still pretty impressed with the safety play. Um, you know, I I love my safety play. Chuck Clark was solid again, but um, Brandon Stevens. We were we were talking about him before we started recording. Um, you know. He's a rookie safety who used to be a corner, who used to be a running back, and he's holding his own against NFL offenses. He's not making the splash plays, but he's also not giving up the splash plays. And as a rookie in that position, learning the new position, I mean, I think that's a massive accomplishment in itself that he's, you know, not targeted every play that he's out there, that he's not the weak link out there. And uh, yeah, I, I've been pretty impressed with, with his ability to not be the weakest link so far. I would agree with that. I mean, he's been, he's been beyond impressive. He's got sort of, he seems like he's got a veteran presence out there. Seems like a pretty smart guy. Um, obviously has his head on his shoulders and has been paying attention to the playbook because he, he's seems to be fitting in with, fairly seamlessly 
you know, it doesn't, doesn't seem like they're, you know, yelling at him to move around the field much and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. He's, he's really integrated fairly well, you know, and, and I, I, this might sound like odd praise, but I think Chuck Clark probably has a lot to do with that. I mean, everybody talks about how fantastic he is with knowing the playbook and he's basically a coach on the field and everything else. I mean, I am sure Chuck Clark is getting him in the positions he needs to be in to succeed. Um, you know, the other side of the safety play is, you know, once we do get Deshaun Elliott back, I wonder how that helps out um, some of the middle of the field issues that we're having right now with tackling. Now, not to say that uh, Brandon Stevens has, has been that issue because he hasn't. But, um, you know, do you think Elliott would help with that? Because it's not like it's not like they weren't there when Elliott was playing. Let's face it. Yeah, I agree. I think I think you end up deploying Stevens slightly differently. I think you allow Elliot to be a little bit more aggressive coming forward and, and in the box and in that run support. And I think that's generally where he's at his best rather than, you know, dropping into deep, into like the deep third or whatever. Um, so play into that strength of his because it's what you need. You need somebody else who at least is going to get in the running lane. Like who's who's gonna yeah. properly diagnose the running lane and make the running back make a decision and like allow the team defense to operate the way a team defense should because when the linebackers don't fill like that then everybody else behind them is then out of position and that's when you get these chunk runs because you just don't have that second level that you know your your linebackers too even slow things down or get these offensive linemen off of your safeties and corners, because obviously that's a much different and much more difficult task for them to shed a block than it is for your linebackers. So that inside linebackers like filling the lanes and (laughs) recognition in general, um, you know, can change a lot. And, and I think, you know, that is, what is is causing a lot of issues right now so i mean that that's where i'm at on the defense i think that there's a lot of good things going on but there are some core weaknesses that kind of yeah. spread to every other spot on the field which allow carson wentz to throw for 400 yards and for the colts to run for over 100 yards and you know really take it to the defense which i don't think many people expected at all so um yeah that's where i'm at on the defense I, I, it might take the bye week for for them to be able to iron some things out, something like that. Something's got to change. Um, I think. I mean, do you have the snap counts in front of you, by chance? I do not have the snap counts in front of me. Okay. But, but me I will say this: that you know, the one thing we can say about Pink Martindale's defenses is that they will evolve over the course of the season. And you yeah. think about. You think about two years ago at this quarter poll, and we were like, holy God, our defense is the worst, and we don't have any linebackers, and blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly we were able to grab different guys off the street and mold some things around. And then suddenly we ended up having a playoff caliber defense. Now, granted, we got bowled over by the Titans in the playoffs, but it still got us to the playoffs. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think this defense – you know, it's funny. It's like a, a, they gave up 25 points to the Colts and 
get shredded for 400 yards through the air. But as you said, you can still see some good things out there. You see some foundations that could, if certain things go into place, really evolve into a playoff and championship caliber defense. Now, that's saying a lot because there's a lot of improvement that needs to happen in several spots. But the talent is there for that improvement to happen. So it's going to be um, up to the coaches and the players to make that make that adjustment and and make that improvement to hopefully get to where we want to go. Um, it, it's it's not all doom and gloom on defense, but you know, again, as we're talking about in a little bit, they've got a pretty, uh, pretty massive test in front of them with the Chargers next week. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into our segments. We'll do uh, a game ball. I think Lamar is the obvious choice, but like I said, we're going to go with two other guys. I think the two other guys are also obvious choices. Why don't you go ahead, Holly? Well, I've given him a lot of uh, a lot of flack last season, but I've given him nothing but love this year. Hollywood Brown, my man Marquise, gets my game ball for nine receptions, 125 yards, two touchdowns. His sweet little 43-yard score from Lamar was fantastic. It's good to see him turn it on. Yep, and my guy is Mandrews, Mando, Mark Andrews, the tight end, 11 catches, 147 yards, two touchdowns, the two-point conversions, tough catches, timely catches, one-handed catches. He did it all. He gets my game ball. Let's talk about Pop of the Week. Who do you got? I got Tavon Young with his sack on Carson Wentz. Absolutely. I'm going to go with Calais Campbell's blocked field goal. Followed, I mean, that play followed another tackle for a loss that he had. So he had two huge back-to-back plays. The block kick obviously kept the Ravens within striking distance and with, allowed them to tie the game up. So absolutely massive, massive play by a massive, massive man. So now we're going to go inside the bank with Mike Long. Uh, you know, I mentioned it at the top of the pod. Um, he was at the game, prime time. The Omar whistle was going. Uh, the crowd was popping. So we're going to see what exactly was going on, how it felt to be inside the bank. All right. Now we welcome on Michael Long, our longtime friend who hasn't been on with us in a while, but he goes to as many Ravens games as possible. Our resident uh, attendee for Inside the Bank. Mike, how you doing, man? I'm great. Great. Another win. It's a crazy game. Uh, looking forward to Sunday. Crazy game. Unbelievable. I, I want to get into the get into, uh, you know, how, how the crowd was reacting, you know, how it felt inside the stadium, you know, during the game. But I do want to start before. So we didn't get a chance to connect after the Chiefs game, you know, the first time that they did the uh, the Michael K. Williams uh, Omar whistle. But, you know, take us through the energy and the excitement leading up to kickoff well anytime they have a home primetime game it just feels like there's that added you know energy to the stadium and you know intros used to be must see just for ray and ed and Suggs coming out of the tunnel but the added excitement to see like the omar whistle to start Mm -hmm. the intros this past week i wasn't able to go to the kansas city game but like just the added 
you know, benefit of getting to see that. And we were wondering if they were going to do it, if they weren't going to do it. It's, it's like, it's just goosebumps when they start to play that. And, you know, everybody starts to run out of the tunnel. It was really cool. I'm happy that, you know, that's going to be our new little staple. Um, they had the defense intros this week, which is always fun. I can't imagine what it's going to be like with Lamar coming out of that tunnel after that, though. It's just going to be, yeah, they, it's going to be pretty sweet. The, Hopefully they do that on Sunday. Yeah, I wonder if it's just going to be like a night game thing or primetime game or like if they're going to do it every week. But, uh, you know, ho- hopefully, like you said, it becomes a staple and, and they keep that around. Uh, yeah, it's they a are nice, 2-0 with it. 2-0. Yeah. It's a nice little touch. We had friends that started in Lot H that walked back into Fed Hill and they said they could hear it walking home. And it's just got to be awesome. the coolest thing just kind of echoing through downtown. Yeah, that's really cool. That's really cool. So so let's take it through kickoff, you know, three and out to start and then the long touchdown and then the Ravens just keep punting. You know, what was it like in the stadium? It feels like the, the air was kind of let out of the place after that hot start with the uh, with the intros. Yeah, it's a it's a little bit kind of familiar at this point. Right. So we had that happen at mm-hmm. a couple home games, a couple big home games. Um between, you know, Chargers playoffs 2018, Tennessee the next year. And it's just like somebody jumps out early. It just kind of sucks the wind out of that place, which sucks at a primetime game because, you know, that place is is really rocking and rolling. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, I mean, it didn't feel great at halftime. I think the Haloti Nada Ring of Honor just kind of kept everybody into it, okay, um, that's good. which was great. And mm-hmm. then, you know, Colts come out right away touchdown right after half and it's just like oh no here we go again they punt again and it's just you start to hear a little bit of the boo birds come out and then some mm-hmm. people are you know trying to hang in there with it and then sure enough Lamar just takes off and it was no looking back from there but it's it's always tough when the, the other team jumps out to jumps out ahead but um for those who kind of like stuck with it I think a couple people left early that it didn't clear out too too much but by the end of that game that that place was it was crazy yeah yeah for sure so how was the uh the nada uh ceremony i, I know we were expecting you know ray and ed to come back just because that you know long time great defensive guys um but we didn't get them and, and that was kind of a surprise to me but you know how did that ceremony go and and uh you know it sounded like people were into it yeah, it was great. I mean, it's always cool seeing the legends come back. They have those the cool purple jackets, which is always a neat touch. Um, mm-hmm. Who I was mean, it? I, we were expecting Stover. Jamal Stover, Billick, McCrary, Todd Heat. Um, they had a decent number, but um, nice. you know, we were expecting the Ray Lewis's, the Ed Reeds of the world to kind of come out, especially for a primetime game, um, which is a little disappointing and I guess surprising. But not his speech was cool. I mean, you know, everybody loves him so much. There were a lot of Haloti a lot of Haloti jerseys out and about, which was really cool to see. Um, but people stuck around for that. It was fun. Uh, I think the crowd was definitely into that. Definitely appreciative, of, like his career, and it's really cool to see him recognized because he was such a dominant player for so long. Um, yeah, it's cool to yeah. kind of get him to see his uh, have his night. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, such a major part. And and I guess after halftime, even even when the punts kind of continue, you know, I think I guess the, the feeling kind of changes now that, you know, the Ravens offense is, you know, a little bit different. And, and that comeback ability is there. You know, you know, that was the narrative for so long. It's like, you know, the Ravens can't do it. You know, they can't come back. And I think 
that really changes the vibe versus like fans staying and, and staying into the game rather than like, oh, we go down 11 and, you know, that's so, all right. she wrote. Right. Right. Yeah. Lamar's Lamar's ability to pass. I mean, I we were stands for him in years past, but it just seems like a totally different ability to hit the receiver, locate the ball where he needs to. And the one drive with the deep ball, the double move to Hollywood, mm-hmm. it was just so quick up the field. It was so clean. Just being able to get the ball into the end zone so fast just kind of made you believe like, hey, you know, we're a couple scores away. Um, they went for two, didn't get it. It was so close. Yeah, and that was a close one. Yeah. So that was a bummer. I feel like all these tight calls kind of went against us, but it was still a two-possession game. Like, it was still within reach. And then they just kept mm-hmm. chipping away, blocked field goal, defense got a stop finally. It was just like, it was all kind of culminating. And then we tied it up, and it was just like Las Vegas in week one, where we left just a little bit too much time on the clock. Yep. And yep. really, across the league now, it just seems so hard to stop these offenses when you have just a little bit of time and a timeout or two. So, mm-hmm. you know, sure enough, Carson Wentz of all people takes him right down the field again. But we got, you know, we got that home break and then it was all over from there. Yeah, I don't know if you saw it. Did they show on the screen after uh, after the the Ravens won the toss? Like Lamar just saying like, all right, it's over, you know, going to grab I, his helmet. I saw the highlight. That was me in the stands as soon as well, as soon yeah. as I saw Justin Tucker versus Carson Wentz on the coin flip, oh, yeah. we knew it was over. Mismatch. That is Mismatch. just the unluckiest person in the world versus the luck, not the luckiest, <laughs> but just the man when it comes down to crunch time. So, mm-hmm. but that was definitely the vibe was, you know, Lamar saying it's over. That was everybody in the crowd. They couldn't slow us yeah. down that second half. They had no answer for all those crossing routes and yeah, Marquise and Mark Andrews just tearing it up. It was, it was so mm-hmm. fun to watch. It's firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's gotta be a great feeling to be in the stands and just like, you know what? Yeah, this is it. So are you, are you going to be back for the chargers? We're going Sunday. I can't wait. The all weather right. looks good. High of like 65 and sunny. We're going to, we're going to be out there in full force. It's going to be great. I'm expecting yeah. another Another track meet for sure. A little barn burner. Yep, I think so too. We're, yeah, we're going to get into that in our week six preview. So, uh, yeah, listeners, Lot H, if you want to join Mike, uh, we'll be here. That's the place to be. Mike, thank you. We'll talk to you again next week. And uh, enjoy you got the game. It. Go Ravens. All right. Thanks to Mike. We will be back with him for the remainder of the home games that he is able to attend this year. A uh, really fun segment that we like doing and, and have gotten and to Jeff's do. Jeff's awesome. It's always good to have, have that insight from inside the stadium since you and yeah, I are we lucky got... to have those season tickets to get I in know. there. And, and, of course, I guess we don't we don't really qualify as real press, so we can't get in there with press credentials. But, yeah, not, man, not quite yet. That. Yeah, not, not yet. Give it a few more years on the pod. I think we'll uh, we'll be there. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we've been raising some eyebrows. So uh, let's look forward. Week six, the Los Angeles Chargers travel all the way across the continent to face the Baltimore Ravens. A 1 p.m. kickoff. Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, a high 
powered offense coming to town just after the Ravens struggled on defense. This uh, could get interesting on this side of the ball. Yeah, man. It, uh, yeah. Let, let's just say the Ravens are going to need to score 35 points because the Chargers will probably score 35 points. I mean, that, and, and I mean, no disrespect really to the Ravens defense. It's just Chargers are really good right now on offense. And I'll tell you what, Justin Herbert looks awesome. You know, you know what's funny? I keep wanting to say A Bear every time I see his name, like, <laughs> like Bobby A Bear. But anyway, but yeah, Justin Herbert. I mean, just just freaking awesome. And what else can you say? I mean, they're on fire. I'm a little concerned about Bosa going up against our tackles. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, you know, it could be it could it could be another kind of Raiders. Colts sort of game for us where it's just like back and forth mower Chiefs, I guess. I mean, get ready for another crazy one, I think. I think it's going to be another crazy one. Uh, so w- one thing to keep an eye on for the Chargers is the right side of their offensive line. They've, they've sustained a few injuries there. Um, keep an eye on that injury report this week. It- it'll be interesting to see how that line looks, um, especially with uh, Justin Houston over there, who's who's been pretty playing pretty solid. You know, he had the sack with the penalty. Um, you know, as he inches closer to 100 career sacks, uh, Adafi Owe obviously and and Bowser, and you know we'll see how they they try to attack that. Uh, Eckler and of course the right guard is our uh, old friend from uh, from uh, training camp, Michael Schofield the third. Oh wow! Look at that! How about that? I think we miss him a little bit. Some we might actually, um, sadly, yeah. we could maybe use him as a swing tackle now. Um, at that yep. point, at this point, but anyway. Yep. And do you have their depth chart up? Who's their left tackle? He's a beast. He's a young, uh, Rashawn young dude. Slater. Rashawn yeah, Rachel Slater. Slater. Um, yeah, he's a beast, and uh, that's gonna be a that's gonna be. I mean, any pressure is likely going to be coming from the other side or up the middle because Slater is a yeah. monster, uh, and he's been really good so far already uh, as a, as a rookie. So, um, yeah, tons of weapons all over the place. Uh, Herbert has the ability to extend plays. He can run a little bit. He has the arm strength to make to, to make you pay down the field. So the safeties and the corners really got to be ready to go. We need Anthony Averett back up to his, you know his top notch play. They have big receivers, which is going to be interesting. It'll, I think it'll be very uh, telling how the Ravens choose to deploy Jimmy Smith this week. Um, Yeah. So, you know, that, that is a team that just put up 47 points on the Browns defense. Browns defense is supposed to be one of the top ones in the league supposed to be. um, But the Chargers defense did allow 42 points and a bunch of yards on the ground to the Browns. So this may be, like you said, back and forth shootout kind of game. And, uh, you know, we might be in for, for a, a repeat of, of week two versus the chiefs, just, you know, defenses can't get off the field and, and whoever gets that one stop in a key time is, is in the driver's seat. Yeah. I think it's going to be pretty close to that. Now, of course, the, the absolute uh, nightmare for the Ravens would be for, 
the the running game to just go nowhere and 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 that Chargers defense to just be able to lock in on Lamar and 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 shut down the the passing game but at least so far as we were talking earlier this season it hasn't seemed to be something we needed to worry need to worry about too much as far as another team shutting down the passing game so it's it's going to be really interesting to see how how they play us and and how we adjust to the last few times we've played the Chargers. Um, so uh, yeah, man, it's it's. Uh, I just keep looking at Joey Bosa against our tackles, and that just really makes me nervous. Really makes me nervous. Yeah, I mean that's, they. That's they my do biggest have some... thing. I keep looking at. Yeah. It, and that's going to be that's going to be concerning for sure. Um, you know, you're going to have to see some help over there because they do have guys that can really play on on the defensive side of the ball. You, up front, uh, Tillery and Joseph are, are solid players too. Um, you know, they have Chris Harris, Derwin James in the back in the back end. Asante oh, yeah. Samuel Jr. has been making plays. So you know, it's a it's an up and down a, a talented roster. And this is going to be a tough game for sure. The, the the two things, I guess, that are that are, you know, giving the Ravens a little bit uh, of an advantage or a little boost is that are those injuries to the right side of the line for the Chargers and having to travel east and play at one o'clock. Because, yeah. we know, historically, that's a tough thing for teams to do, um, the West Coast teams to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be a tough one. I, what do you think? What do you think here? Let's get into a prediction, and um, you know we'll, we'll look forward to the game. I'm going to say 41-37 Ravens. You know, I was trying to think back to our season prediction pod, and I think this was one of the ones that I had the Ravens losing. Um, I I might stick with that. I think I think the Chargers are a little too hot right now. I think the Ravens are. Um, yeah, obviously still hot, uh, four straight wins, but doing it in a slightly different fashion than, than the Chargers are doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be a high scoring game. It's going to be a tough one, but I think I might stick with that early season prediction and, and get a loss here for the Ravens four and two, not bad. Uh, they'll still be in decent position to lead the division at the, at the end of the week, but, um, Hopefully I'm wrong, and I hope that my early season prediction was wrong, and I hope that you're right. Putting up 41 points again would be a lot of fun to watch. But, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I mean, I always I always hope I'm wrong when I predict the loss, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to predict the loss after last night's game. I think I would have – I would have gone into – this game I think if it had played out even if the Ravens won yesterday but it had played out differently I think I probably would have gone in and said the Ravens lose but I I just think they'll figure out a way to do it I I don't know why I feel that way I it's mostly because they're at home and it's one o'clock like you said I think those are going to play into it a lot more and we have Lamar Jackson and and we have Lamar I mean, uh, honestly, nobody, nobody else point, does. Nobody has Lamar, and we could get Rashad Bateman back this week. We could. I mean, there are a lot of reasons why um, things could only get better for this offense. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to choose to stay positive until uh, we finally get knocked off the uh, Schneid here. 
Well, I hope you're right. And I hope that uh, the Ravens can can keep this hot streak going. It's it's like you said, I mean, there's just seems to be a little bit something different about this team, you know, after getting these wins in the manner in which they've won. You know, they win ugly. They win dominantly in Denver and they make crazy comebacks against the Chiefs and the Colts. And, you know, it it has the makings of a really special season. But um there's been a lot of magic in the court up to the, we're at the quarter pole and there's been potentially as much magic in these games as there was all of last season. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, say last season sucked, but just the way we've been winning these games is different than we won them last year, you know, outside of that game mm-hmm. against the Browns, you know, when Lamar had his quote unquote, "Quote unquote cramps," um, you know. I I don't know what other game lives up to that last season. Yeah, and you we know, have like any three of, the, of them already you know, this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I we've had between the Chiefs the last night and Detroit. I mean, yeah, I mean that's unreal, man. Unreal. Yeah, unbelievable stuff. Again, Ravens beat the Colts, or Indianapolis, however you want to say it, however much of a grudge you still hold. Um, Moved to 4-1 and one into first place in the AFC North, and hopefully will not look back from here. Um, we will be back with you again after week six, of course. Holly, you want to sign us off? Well, uh, we didn't get to see the Colts all black and purple necessarily, but they certainly were blue as they left the stadium at the end of the night. So let's just hope that the, uh, the chargers this week can be the ones that are nice and purple and black and beat up so they can take their beautiful powder blue jerseys back to LA. Um, So, you know what? Just, yeah, long flight back. Hopefully they'll be nice and sore and, and just salty because they they got Lamar. So let's hope we see that a little bit more this week. We're going to need it to happen to win. Say it with me. Let's go Ravens. Go Ravens.